Hi, this is Bob Brewer. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. This week we're doing an archive show. This is a Boomer Boulevard show that first was broadcast April 27th, 2015. Hope you enjoy it. It's half past eight exactly, Mr. Dillon. I better get it out of the safe now. Not a tumor. All right, let's go. Troops, how you doing? Good to have you on board. Glad to see you. You're all looking good. Chester is popping popcorn here. He's been popping it all afternoon, and the whole place smells like the whole studio smells like popcorn. What? What is it, Chester? Yeah, I I get craving popcorn too sometimes. Yeah, he he puts the butter on it, the whole thing. He did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I'm sure it tastes good. No, I can't eat it while I'm while I'm doing the show. I, it, you know, you can't be chewing. Well, anyway. I'll have some later. Thank you, Chester. Popcorn. It's funny how you miss popcorn. If you haven't had it in a while, you, I, at least I do. I start missing it. Anyway, glad to have you aboard. we got a great show lined up. We have a Lux Radio Theater tonight that is doing a radio adaptation of a classic Western. And we'll talk to you about that in just a minute. We're going to follow that up with an episode of the Jack Benny Show from 1949 that does a movie send-up of a Spencer Tracy film uh, that featured Spencer Tracy and Deborah Carr, also from 1949. And then we're going to finish things up on the streets of Dodge City, Kansas with an episode of Gunsmoke. And this is an episode that we only have played one other time, and it's been many, many years ago. So I hope you you enjoy it. So that's our lineup for this week. Grab some popcorn. Just <laughs> no thank you. I, I'll have some after the show. Thank you, Chester. And uh, we're going to get started in just a minute.
Well, tonight, folks, we're going to start things off with the Lux Radio Theater, one of the really classic shows that showcased Hollywood talent and did radio adaptations of famous movies of the day. The Lux Radio Theater, according to Frank Brzee, was a big, big deal in Hollywood. And if you had tickets, you would get all dressed up and get there well ahead of time to make sure that you could get good seats in the theater because usually there was major Hollywood stars playing the the roles in the radio dramas that uh, were being presented, or comedies for that matter. Tonight we have a classic, classic Western, a Howard Hawks Western that was produced in 1949 entitled Red River. It featured John Wayne, Joanne Drew, and Montgomery Cliff. Walter Brennan was in the original film. Harry Carey Sr. and Jr., Noah Berry Jr., uh, and just a whole bunch of other classic, classic Hollywood character actors. The story has to do with Tom Dunstan a cattle rancher in Texas who 14 years earlier started off with two head of cattle and is now ready to drive a herd of 10,000 cattle north to Missouri so they can be placed on the rails to be shipped east to market. Dunstan is a harsh taskmaster and he demands a great deal from the men who have signed up for the drive. This is a Hollywood classic, so join me now in going back to 1949 as we sit back, relax, and enjoy John Wayne, Walter Brennan, and Joanne Drew in Red River. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater. Starring John Wayne, Joanne Drew, and Walter Brennan in Red River. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. There is in all of us a hidden spirit of adventure that responds to the thrills and suspense of Western drama. And tonight... We have a prize example of this kind of entertainment. It's the current success, Red River. Packed theaters have greeted this story of elemental emotion and romance in the Old West. And naturally, we're presenting it with the original star of the Monterey production, John Wayne. That great favorite of filmgoers everywhere, making his first appearance here tonight. And with John, we have two other members of the screen cast, Joanne Drew and Walter Brennan. Now we're off to Red River and act one of tonight's play, starring John Wayne as Tom Dunson, Joanne Drew as Tess, and Walter Brennan as Groot. This is a story of Tom Dunson and Matthew Garth. Likewise, it's a story of a cattle brand, the brand known as the Red River D. And this is the way it all started. August it was of 1851. Tom Dunson and me had joined a wagon train from California. 
When we got close to the northern border of Texas... Are you crazy, Dunson? You can't leave us. You signed on. You agreed that we you... We signed nothing, Colonel. Now, wait a minute. You know this is Indian country. Yeah, mister, we know that. We can't afford to lose two men, and we can't afford to lose your livestock. Livestock? One bull and two cows? Well, we need them. We need the beginnings of herds in California. Only we're not going to California. I've watched this land. It's good land. Good grass for beef. I'm going south and starting my own herd. Now, look, Dunson. I'd ponder on letting him be, mister. He's a mighty set man when his mind's made up. Well, tell him I wish him luck. I promise you. I'll send for you, Fenn, just as soon as I can. I want to go with you, Tom, now. Oh, it's no use, Fenn. you got to stay with the train. Tom, please. I'm strong. I can stand anything you can. It's too much for a woman. Too much for a woman. Put your arms around me, Tom. Feel me in your arms. Do I feel weak, Tom? Oh, you'll need me. Fenn, I'll send for you just Listen as soon as... Listen to me, Tom, please. I've made up my mind. Then for once in your life, change your mind. This... This bracelet, Finn, was my mother's. I want you to have it. Oh, Tom, please let me. Goodbye, Finn. I could see the sun shining on that bracelet as we pulled away from the wagon train. Me and Tom and two cows and a bull. By evening, we'd come as far as the river. Red River, Groot. And that's Texas on the other side. How about calling it a day? Seems to me we... Tom. Tom, look. There to the north. Indian smoke. Signal smoke? It's too big, ain't it? It's not signal. It's rising from just about where the wagon train would be. Take us hours to get back there. Finn, I should have brought her along. We could be wrong, Tom. That smoke, maybe it's just prairie grass or something. We'll ride back tomorrow and see. started back the next morning when we seen him. A boy from the wagon train. He comes staggering out of the brush, crazy-like, talking to himself and dragging a cow on the end of a halter. Smoking and burning. burning. What happened, boy? Um, what are you doing here? What happened? Smoking. Smoking and burning. Smoking. How'd you get away? Everything burning. He's out of his head, Tom. Wagons and people were screaming. <laughs> I wouldn't hit me again, mister. Put that gun down. I said don't do that again. It's all right, son. I just wanted to... See? Take his gun, Groot. You just learned something, boy. Don't ever trust anybody till you know him. Thanks for telling me. Now, how'd you get away? My cow here. She broke loose. Got off in the brush. I was bringing her back when I heard him. Then I saw him. I wish I hadn't. When they left... I went closer. There was no one alive. It could be. Some of them got away. One of, one of the Indians been hit, I guess. Must have thought he was dead. What about him? Took a shot at me. I killed him. He, he had something in his hand. This silver bracelet. <sighs> Tom, that don't have to mean she... Shut up. Well, it looks like we'll have to take you along with us, son. Give him back his gun, Groot. Well, are you going to use it? No, but don't ever try to take it away from me again. That was the meeting of the man and the boy. 
and the beginning of a great herd. We started south through Texas, through the Panhandle, past the Pecos, until one day near the Rio Grande, Tom got off on his horse and took the feeling of the grass and smelling of it. This is it. This is the land, Groot. This is where we start growing beef. Sure looks good. Maybe even worth coming 2,000 miles for it. Who does it all belong to? From now on, it belongs to me. Take a good look. Someday all this land, as far as you can see, will be covered with beef cattle. I'll put a mark on them, a brand to show they're mine. What kind of a mark? Well, there'll be two lines, see? Like this, like the banks of a river. And the letter D. D for Dunson, the Red River D brand. You gonna brand my cow, too? Why not? D's for Dunson, but my name's Matthew Garth. Maybe someday you'll earn a piece of the brand, but until you do... Oh, strangers coming. Two of them. Mexicans. I ain't never seen a Mexican. Well, keep your eyes open, boy. Step off to one side. Buenos dias, senores. We saw the smoke of your fire. Yeah? To remain here on Don Diego's land, you are welcome. For a night, for a week, perhaps... You, Diego? Oh, no, senor. He is at his home across the Rio Grande. 600 kilometers to the south. How far is that? About 400 miles. That's too much land for one man. It ain't decent. Tell Don Diego that... that all the land north of the river is mine. Tell him to stay off it. But the land is his, senor. That'd get away. How did he get it? Many years ago, by grant from the king of Spain. You mean he took it away from whoever was here before? Indians, maybe. Maybe so. Well, I'm taking it away from him. I regret, senor, but... Now, how about you? You want a little of it? No. It's not my land, senor. I I will wait until Don Diego tells me what to do. Then ride back and tell him what happened. Take your friend's horse. As for him, he'll get a decent burial. As you say, senor. Matt, I told you to get away. You might have got hurt. He went for his gun first. But you kind of seem to know. Next time, do what I say. But how'd you know when he was going to draw? By watching his eyes. Remember that. I will. Now, go get a shovel out of the wagon. In my Bible, I'll read over him. We're here, Groot. We're going to stay here. The big house will be down near the river. The corrals and the barns behind it. It'll be a good place to live in. Give me ten years and I'll have the Red River D on more cattle than you've looked at anywhere. Enough beef to feed the whole country. But it'll take work and sweat and time. It'll be years. Years yet. You, Matt, where's that shovel? And it happened just like he said. Tom Dunson, who'd come here with next to nothing, had the biggest ranch in Texas. One day we was riding in after Roundup, me and Dunson and the kid. Only Matt wasn't a kid no more. Growed up he was. A dark man like Dunson, able and hard. Cattle. Nothing but cattle as far as I can see. That's what we wanted, wasn't it? We had our ten years, Groot, and more. Oh, be about fourteen now. Thousands ahead of good beef. And as they stand out there, what are they worth? There isn't a head worth a plug three-cent piece. What are you talking about? It all happened while you were away at war, Matt. The South got beat. No money in the South. No market. Unless we can move that herd, I'm broke. 
Broke? I'm not going to take it hunched back like the rest around here. If there's no market for cattle in Texas... And they ain't. Then I'll take my cattle to where there is a market. Missouri? Yeah. I figured. Oh, while you're at it, did you figure a way to get them there? Yeah. San Saba, then Meridian, then along the Brazos. What about water? Well, it's good water clear up to the red. Yeah, but going that way, way we'd have two extra crossings. Way, you're not going. I'm not How going do you know there. the water? Well, no, you're not. You don't know. How do you know the water's good? I let a patrol that way. Well, do you think it's worth... What are you mumbling about? Where are those store teeth Matt brought you? In my pocket. Well, why don't you use them? Because they whistle. I use them for eating. I can't understand you. Well, everybody else can. What'd you say? I said there's a lot of things you don't know about, Mr. Dunshaw. Like what? Like, first off, about me going on this here drive. It's a thousand miles to Missouri, ain't it? That's right. Well, you think I couldn't ride that far on account of my bad leg, huh? That's right. Well, it might be I could ride a chuck wagon. We've already got a cook. That is right, Mr. Dunson. But might be old Cookie might not like grubbing the trip all that way. Might also be up and quit this morning. You heard me good that time, didn't you? Well, then it might be we could persuade you to drive the chuck wagon. Might be, Mr. Dunson, might be. Matt, that's a pretty nice gun you're wearing. How good's your gun arm? I've been using it a lot these last few years. You know, that's a funny thing. A draw! <laughs> I haven't heard that laugh since I joined the Army. He beat you, Mr. Dunson. He beat you to the draw and a kick beat you. He sure did, Matt. Somebody beat you. He's a little faster, ain't he, Mr. Dunson? Just a mite faster, huh? Say, Matt, when we get back, drop a map of that country we were talking about. I did. And I'll ha- it's on your desk. Oh, mite faster about a lot of things. See you later. You know, Matt... It's the first time I've seen a grin on his face all year. Except the other day when you come home. Oh, he's changed, Groot. Oh, he's changed some, sure. But why wouldn't he change? Fighting with soul and gut to hang on to this place. It cost him dear, too. It cost him a woman, the only woman he ever wanted. Yeah, I know. It cost him the killing of them seven graves on the hill there. Men that tried to take this place away from him, and now this. What, the drive? You don't think it can be done, huh? Ten thousand head of cattle clear to Missouri. No, mister, I don't think it can be done. You don't neither. I'm glad you come home to us, Matt. I'm glad you come home. All that week, sun up to dark, herding cattle into corrals and branding them with the Red River D. Now and then we'd find a steer from the south. That, uh, that'd be the Mexican steer, Don Diego's. A one branded with a circle M, and that'd be from the east, where, uh, where a fella named Meeker had neighbored up. Hey, man, Mother Diego. Let him go, Taylor. Let him go. Another Meeker. Turn him loose. Turn nothing loose. Put a brand on him. He's a Meeker steer, boss. I said brand him. Hey, you're going to wind up branding every hide in the state of Texas, except mine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Missouri with every head I can lay my hands on. I think Meeker might be real pleased to know about that. That I'll argue with Meeker. Well, now might be a good time. It's him riding up right now, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's Meeker. Well, he's even got some men to back him up. Oh, Dunson. I hear you're fixing to make a drive. News travels fast, Meeker. We're going to Missouri. That's what I heard. Also heard something else. Cumberland drove 3,000 head to the Red River. When he got across the Missouri border, a gang stole his herd, killed half his men. Hard luck. Nobody's gonna jump my cattle. I don't want anybody to take mine either. 
Mind if I look your herd over? I do mind. Now look, Dunson, everything I got. I know, Meeker. Me too. All right. We've rounded up some of your stock and some of Diego's and some of everybody else's around here. Well then. I haven't the time nor the inclination to cut them out. I'll drive them to Missouri and give you two dollars a head when I get back here. If you don't get back. That's your gamble. I reckon it is. All right. Suits me. Brand them all, Matt. Anything that can walk. And tell every hand on the place to be in the bunkhouse after supper. I got a word to say to him. What I come to tell you, boys, is simply this. We start for Missouri tomorrow morning. Now, most of you men have come back to Texas from the war. You came back to nothing. Your home's gone. Your cattle scattered. Your land's stolen by carpetbaggers. Well, there's no money and no work because there's no market for beef in the South. There is in Missouri. So we're going to Missouri. Cumberland tried to go to Missouri too, boss. And Cumberland didn't make it. No one else ever has. We got a thousand miles to go. Ten miles a day will be good. Fifteen will be luck. There'll be dry country, dry wells when we get to them. There'll be wind and storms, and there's going to be Indian territory. How bad, I don't know. But we'll get there. And nobody has to come along. But remember this. Every man who signs on for this drive agrees to finish it. There'll be no quitting along the way, not by me and not by you. Any questions? Well, I... I guess we're all with you, Mr. Dunson. Yeah. Well, good. Well, the wages will be $10 a month. Triple if the steers bring $15 at the railroad. But if we lose the herd, you lose your wages. I won't have the money to pay you. Well, sign them on, Matt. We start at sunup. years of hard work. And then they say we can't make the drive. It's never been done before, or it could be wrong. Yeah, they'd better be. Act two of Red River, starring John Wayne as Tom Dunson, Joanne Drew as Tess, and Walter Brennan as Groot. And so we drove north. 10,000 cattle, wagons, horses, and 40-some men crawling through hot, dry country. The dust made things bad, and it was hard work. At the end of the first two weeks, we'd come 160 miles. Trouble with you, Matt. You make the drive look too easy. A lot of rough boys along the border. I just got back from there. You know what happens, Cherry, if this drive doesn't get to market? According to Dunson, we lose our wages. You've just been all through this state. What did you see? Yeah, I know. Cattle running wild, carpetbaggers grabbing with both hands. 
I seen a man once trying to swap a steer for a half a sack of flour. Then you know why we gotta get through. Why drive to Missouri? Why not Kansas? There's a railroad in Kansas, too. What'd you say? Where in Kansas? Oh, I saw the one in Topeka. And there's one in Abilene. And I met a fellow named Jess Chisholm, Indian trader. Told me he'd blaze a trail straight through this country into Kansas. We could pick it up the Red River. That way we'd have only Indians to worry about. Yeah, I heard of that trail. Uh, this railroad in Abilene, did you see it? Well, I didn't quite get there. Met a girl in Kansas City. Groot, if we could head west at the Red yeah, River... we sure save ourselves a heap We're of... We're going to Missouri. I've seen buyers and cash in Missouri. What have you seen in Abilene, Cherry? Not a thing, Mr. Dunson, but a girl... We're told... going to Missouri. What are you stopping them for? This water here looks pretty good. Well, Loretta just came from up ahead. There's water there, too. Four or five miles. Tom, the men have beat. They've had a pretty tough day, and I think they ought to... I'll do the thinking. Keep them going. Keep them going, Taylor. We're moving on. Why can't we... I said we're moving on. It was like that day after day for a month. The herd is getting tired. They were spooky and restless, and... It's all we could do to keep them together. All right, pull up, group. We'll bed down here. All right, man. Hi, Laredo. Whiskey in? Yeah. Got any coffee and grub? Yeah, I'll get you some. What do you find up there, Laredo? Good water for three days. Uh, where's Dunson? Out with the herd. See them coyotes? That means double guard tonight. Well, at least ways there's a full moon. You see the herd clear down the wash. Oh, thanks for the grub. Uh, where do these pans go, Groot? Back in the wagon, Laredo, but don't make too much noise with them neither, will you? They're tin, you know, and it wouldn't take much to scare them steers. I wish that coyote had quit yowling. It's fretting them. Dust and wind today put them on the prod. Wouldn't take much to stampede the whole outfit. I was in a stampede once. I don't want no more of them. An owl hooted, just hooted, and a whole bunch was off. That's when old man White and three fellas got tromped to death. Yeah, I remember that. You no know, stampedes from me. I, I don't like them. I don't like coyotes. There he is on the rocks. Watch. Put down that gun. I could get him with one shot. In one shot right now, the whole herd would start running. Yeah, I guess you're right. I must be close. Who's in that wagon? Stampede! thousand head of cattle gone local. Like an avalanche bearing down on you, pounding everything to dust that tries to stand before it. Horses, wagons, men, everything. Sometime before dawn, they run themselves out. We crowded them up in the canyon, miles from the camp. Tom Johnson was late coming back. He had a body slung across his saddle. Tom? Adams. Danny Adams. Dead. It was right in their path when they started off. Give me a hand, Matt. Adams. We'll bury him, and I'll read over him. Matt, about his wife. See that she gets full pay for the drive, just as if he'd finished it, and, and get her, well, get her something. 
he used to talk about getting her a, a pair of red shoes when oh, we got back. Oh, that's foolishness. Get her something that she... Yeah. Get her a pair of red shoes. We buried Dan later that morning. Nobody left after Dunson closed his Bible. He stood there in front of the grave and said for Sam Conley to step out. Last night, a man sneaked into the chuck wagon. Not because he was hungry. He went in to take some sugar. Stealing sugar like a kid. That's how the stampede started. He knocked over a pile of tin plates. It was me, Mr. Dunson. I'm, I'm not denying the it. The will show we're three or four hundred heads short. And you killed Dan Adams as sure as if you'd shot him. I know I did. I know it. And I'd keep my right Stealing arm... Stealing sugar like a kid. Well, they whip kids to teach him better. They what? Cherry, Teeler, time to that wagon oh, wheel. Oh, no. I was wrong, awful wrong, Mr. Dunson, but nobody's going to whip me. Turn around, Conley. Don't raise that whip, Mr. Dunson. Turn around, he'll get it across the don't eyes. Don't do it, Mr. Dunson, I tell you. Don't. Hey, Matt. Matt. Sorry, Conley, he'd have shot you through the heart. Just as sure as you're standing there. Well, you shot him, Matt. Take care of him. For the rest of you, there's a thousand heads still to round up. Get at it. Well, Groot, go ahead and say it. Well, since you give me leave, I will. You was wrong, Mr. Dunson. Oh, after Pat patches up that arm, put Conley on a horse and give him rations and send him home. The stampede had cost us close to 400 head and three of our wagons. Wagons filled with food. Next day we got rain. Rain steady for 10 days, and rain does something to you. Rain and short rations and Tom Dunson. The men was getting off near mutiny and Tom knew it. He just kept watching them, watching them all the time. Shut up, Taylor. He's coming. Dunson. What's on your mind, Taylor? It's this lousy muck. Yeah. A man can't eat this kind of food three times a day. He's right, Mr. Dunson. After we lost the grub wagons, we should have turned back. But we didn't turn back, Laredo. And even if we had, I couldn't replace what was lost. I'm broke. I got nothing to buy with. So we're on short rations and bad coffee, and we're going to be until we finish the drive. And we're going to finish it. Not me, Mr. Dunson. Who said that? I said it. Me, Buck Mailer. I'm heading south. I'm leaving now, and the Mexican's coming with me. Senor Dunson, I think I die anyway. So if I die, I go south to die. At least my people can find my grave and maybe put some flowers on it. There was an agreement made when you men signed on. I'm going to hold you to it. How? I don't want to have to kill you, Mailer. You're not going to get a chance. <laughs> Who else is quitting? All right. I'll get back to the herd. There's two quitters to be buried. I'll read over them in the morning. Fill a man full of lead. Stick him in the ground and then read words at him. What's the matter, Laredo? When you kill a man, Cherry White, try to read the Lord in as a partner on the job. Where are you going, Matt? To see Dunson. Along. What do you want, Matt? That shooting. You didn't have to do that. You joined in. Yeah, when they both drew on you, but I still thought you were wrong. Look, I'm telling you now... Don't tell that... me what to think. 
Take your orders about work, but not about what to think. You think I was to blame for what's happened? Just as sure as you're standing there. Get on your horse and ride her. Not till that night did I know Tom Dunson had been shot. One of the deserters had hit him in the leg. I found him alone, trying to get his boot off. Got a hole through your leg, huh? Yeah. Here's some stuff I better pour on it. How did you know? Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting in the wagon there watching you suffer. Went clean through, huh? Well, ain't as bad as it should be. You too? What do you got to say? Nothing. If I did, you wouldn't listen. Now hold still while I pour this stuff on. <laughs> Hurt, huh? <laughs> I better give you a mite more. Now, if you'll quit your squalling, I got some news for you. Well? We shy three men. Teela, Lareda, and Bill Davis are gone. Gone where? I don't know. We're missing cartridges, flour, and a mite of salt. Mm. Tell Matt to come here. No, wait. Get Cherry Valance. Now. Yeah, I know this, Skip, Mr. Dunson. So does every man in camp. I want you to bring him back, Cherry. Take Grant and Mac That'll be enough. Find them. Supposing they won't come. Bring them. Sure. We'll leave right away. From now on, Groot, this outfit's gonna move. Go tell them that for me. And move we did. With Tom driving us every, every step. The boys all hoped that Teeler and Laredo and Davis would get away, but we was afraid Cherry and Grant was too good. Too fast to their guns. Anyways, we kept on driving until... Well, here's your Red River, Tom. Sure had a lot smaller herd last time we crossed. <laughs> One bull and three cows. Well, this looks like as good a place as any to cross over. Well, why not cross fresh in the morning? Got a pretty tired bunch behind us. Tired men don't run away. You can't keep them this war out all the rest of the drive. No, but we can keep them this war out till Cherry and Grant get back. After that, nobody will want to run away. You need sleep, too. You need it bad. Some nights ago, we lost three men. I haven't slept since, and we haven't lost any more men. We're not going to lose another one tonight or from now on. Fletcher, Gus, start marking the river. We'll cross here. <laughs> Next morning, four riders from the south crossed the Red River and came up to us. Cherry Valance and Grant was back. With them was Teeler and Laredo. Teeler and Laredo, huh? Since you out after three of them, Cherry, where's Davis? Well, Davis figured he'd rather fight. Made a good one of it for a while. You two signed on for the drive. Signed on to finish it. That's right, we did. We didn't figure you... You stole food and cartridges. Besides being deserters, you're common thieves. I know what you're going to do to us, Dunson, but first I want to tell you something. Go ahead. You're crazy. You were all right when we started this drive, but you're crazy now. You finished? No. You want to get this herd to market? Well, so do all of us. There's a good way to Abilene. But you won't listen to that, no. You want to drive into Missouri when you've got the high, low, and jack against you. I shouldn't have run away. I should have stayed and put a bullet in you. Anything to add to that, Laredo? Nothing. You can send for your Bible and read over us after you shut us down. I'm not gonna shoot you. 
I'm going to hang you. No, Charm, no, you're not. Who'll stop me? I will. Don't reach, Mr. Dunson. I got two guns in back here. Throw me that rope, Cherry. Take his gun and tie his hands. Right. Teela, Laredo, you want to finish this job? Where to? Kansas. Abilene. Who's heading it? Aya. What about Dunson? He stays. We're taking the herd. That's good enough for me. All right, what about you others? Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. Groot? Oh, I don't know. What's the matter, Groot? Scared? What can I do? No gun and my arm's tied. I've been with you a lot of years, Mr. Dunson, and right or wrong, all is done like you said. Got to be kind of a habit with me, I guess. So that's why I'm staying with you. Go with him. Thanks. Thanks for making it easy on me. All right, Matt. Tom, we're going to leave you here. With food and your gun and a horse. Don't come after us alone, Tom. There's more than 30 men with me who'll be glad to kill you. You'll do better to let them kill me now. You men, throw that herd on the trail and start driving. If there's any chance, Tom, any chance at all, we'll get your cattle to Abilene. I'll catch up with you, Matt. I don't know when or how, but I'll catch up with you. Every time you turn around, expect to see me. Because one time you'll turn around and I'll be there. I'm going to kill you, Matt. So we left Dunson staring out after us. We felt his eyes on us long after we couldn't see him no more. We took his herd away from him and we went on. Nobody saying nothing about it. But all of us knowing that one day, one day he'd catch up. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The curtain rises on the third act of Red River, starring John Wayne as Tom Dunson, Joanne Drew as Tess, and Walter Brennan as Groot. We took Tom Dunson's herd away from him. When Matt Garth out front started the hall for Abilene. Don't you say it, Groot? What's on your mind? Seems is on your mind and everybody else's. Him. Dunson. Matt, he'd be a fool to come along, wouldn't he? Most likely he'd go for help. Get a bunch of men together, huh? Nearest town, San Felipe. Yeah. It'd take him at least four days, four more to get back on our trail. So he got an eight-day lead on him. The men are scared, Matt. Snarling and snapping at their own shadows. What do you think will happen when he... when he does come back? I don't know. We couldn't let him hang Taylor and Laredo. He ain't sorry you done it. He was wrong. Hope I'm right. And I hope there's a railroad in Napoli. 
Six days later, Teela come racing back from where he'd been scouting up ahead. He was carrying an arrow. This here's Comanche arrow. Where'd you find it? Pull it out of a steer, one of the strays. Tracks lead north. Well, do we go on? Which would you rather have, Laredo? What's behind or what might be ahead? Jerry. Yeah? You and Gus ride on ahead, 10 or 12 miles maybe. Enough to give warning. When you got something to tell us, come back. Meantime, we start carrying rifles. Two more days. Comanches ahead of us and Dunson behind us. And not a word yet from Cherry. Then early the next morning, still dark it was, Gus come riding in the camp like a wild man. It's Gus! Gus! Women! Women and coffee! I seen them! Wilder in a faint hand. Oh, wait, where's Cherry? What happened to Cherry? Yeah, nothing's happened to him. Women! I had five biscuits and beans and coffee. Cherry's still there. Now, stop that fool talk. What happened? Yeah, yesterday afternoon, about 15 miles north. A whole wagon train up heading for Nevada. Wagon train? Yeah, belongs to some man named Donegal. Gonna start a gambling hall in Nevada. You should see what's in them wagons. Dancing girls and uh-huh. dice tables and cases full of liquor. Well, come on! Oh, wait, what about the Comanches? Yeah, Comanches. Oh, them. Not a sign of Matt coming or going. (laughs) The news made a heap of difference. The boys forgot about Dunson, forgot how wore out they was, and how hungry for food that wasn't all beef. We made a full ten miles that day. Next day, we pushed even harder. Till over a ridge, we heard shooting and screaming. The wagon train wasn't far off, only them Comanches had beat us to it. It was real rough for a while, but with women in that wagon train, we'd have tore in all the engines in the territory. As the fighting was tailing off, I seen Matt with one of the girls. He was getting an arrow out of her arm. What are you so mad about? It's my arm that's got the arrow, not yours. Stop talking. If you'd kept down like I told you, you wouldn't have got hit. This is gonna hurt. Like they say, this'll hurt you more than it does me. No, this'll hurt you. <gasps> you're, you're right, it did. All right, hold this cloth now while I... It, it's too bad to put you to so much trouble. Yeah. I asked you before, why are you so mad? Is it because of your cattle? The cattle Cherry told me about might run off? Or maybe... Maybe you don't like the idea of helping a bunch of... A bunch of what? Yeah, that's what I thought you thought. How many men in this train? Nine. Women? Twenty. Most of them will be working for Donegal when he opens I'll up... I'll find a... out about moving into one of the oh, wagons. Oh, go. At least not until I've done something I've been wanting to do. Well... That's what I wanted to do. Thanks. Her name was Tess. Tess Malay. That night she called me over to a wagon and she started asking me about Matt. Since I figured it didn't matter much one way or the other, I told her about him and about Dunson. So that's the story. Now you know about Matt Garth. No wonder he's like he is. 
How is he? Disillusioned. Not trusting anybody. Scared, maybe. What would you do now if you were me? If I was you? But I need you. Say, how far do you think you'd get with a push like mine? I'd like to talk to him if, if he'll talk to me. Well, I'm hoping we ain't going to be here but a few more hours. But it's going to storm. Morning at the latest, we should be gone. I still want to talk to him. Uh, I'll go see what I can do. You said I'd find you out here. You are. I want to talk to you. He's shaking. He thought I was dunson. How'd you know that? Groot told me. It makes things clearer. It helps. What helps? I know how you feel. I'm scared, too. That's why I'm talking, because, because it's the best thing to do when you feel that way. Oh, please, you can tell me to mind my own business if you'd like, and, and if it'd help any, go on, hit me like I did you. Well, I guess I had it coming. Matt... About Dunson. Why does he think that way? Well, because he's got a place where he... Well, he'd take an empty land, see? Made it the biggest ranch in the state of Texas. Fought to keep it. And then... Well? After he'd gotten what he'd been after for so long, he finds it's worth nothing. So he started this drive. Everyone said he couldn't make it. He'd never get there. He was the only one who believed we could. I see. Well... Well, Dunson had to believe it. He started him from Missouri, and all he knew was he had to get there. And then I took the herd away from him. You love him, don't you? He must love you. And that wouldn't be hard, loving you. When did a woman kiss you last, Matt? Did you like that? I've always been kind of slow in making up my mind. Maybe I can help. that night. Rain and mud. Going awful slow. Weather like this, Dunson had gain on us. And I wondered would Donegal's wagon train meet up with him and would he meet up with a girl like, like Matt had. Hey, Donegal, get out of that wagon. We got company again. What, sir? Company? Well, howdy, strangers. Welcome to Donegal's Cafe, on the march. My name is Dunson. You see anything of a trail herd through here? Well, now, I should say we did. When? Over a week ago. They helped us out when the engines hit us. We've been patching up before moving on. How far ahead are they? Be, uh, nine days tomorrow morning. Well, we're about ready to eat, mister. Be glad to feed you. Oh, thank you. We'll stop here for a while. I'll take care of Mr. Dunson myself. How do you know my name? We can talk about that later. My wagon's over there. I believe it's your beef we'll be eating. And who told you that? The man you promised to kill. Did he tell you that, too? You're tired, aren't you? And hungry and just a little bit irritable. You'll feel better after you eat, Mr. Dunson. More coffee, Mr. Dunson? There's even brandy if... Well, what are you looking at? How did you get that away from him? That bracelet? I stole it. How did you get it? I got it in the rain. 
Eight nights ago before he took off with your herd. I'm wondering whether to believe you. I don't care whether you do or not. You still intend to kill him, don't you? Oh. So he went off and left you. You're in love with him? I thought you'd ask that. Can a woman love a man who'd go off and leave her? Well, she... She shouldn't. I wanted to go with him. He wouldn't take me. He said I wasn't strong enough to go, and nothing I could say or do could make him change his mind. Oh, but I wanted to go with him. So much that I... I know. How would you know? Oh, I... I suppose other people have felt that way before. They have. Why do you want to kill him, Mr. Dunson? Because he's a thief. I picked him up in the brush 14 years ago and taught him all I could. He knew what I was planning. He knew that someday it'd all be his. His land, his cattle, everything. Even talked of a woman. A woman who could bear him sons. A woman like you. Why did you want him to have a son? Because I'd built something. Built it with my own hands. And I can't live forever. I thought I had a son. But I haven't. And I want one. I'm sorry for you, Mr. Dunson. Stand up. What? Stand up and turn around. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, I apologize for my manners. Well? I don't even know your name. Millay. Tess Millay. Well, Miss Millay, I've got a deal to offer you. What kind of a deal? Half of everything I have for a son. Half of everything you've got? That's what I said. Marriage? Yeah. All right. But only if you stop now. Stop now and go back where you came from. I thought so. Then there's no deal. No. When did you fall in love with him? When I first saw him, I guess. When did... When did you fall in love with her? Who? The girl you left, walked out on. Did he tell you that? You told me. You knew how I felt when he left me. She must have felt the same way when you left her. Or can't you remember? I can remember. I hope so. Because... Because I want you to think about it while I ask you something. While I ask you to let me go on with you. You know what you're saying? please. I want to go with you. Please. All right. Thank you. You have a gun there, haven't you? You're going to try to kill me. I'd thought about it. Why don't you use it? Would there be any use going if I did? We'll start in half an hour. Dunson was, we didn't know. Two miles behind us at 200. It was a hundred days now since the drive had started. This was Kansas. But no sign of nothing human, and everybody beginning to believe there weren't no railroad after all. You know, I've been thinking that Abilene just ate. We probably missed it. Probably keep going clear up to Canada. We'll be driving herd up and down icebergs yet. Yeah. We'll find it. It's got to be there. And if it ain't, keep driving until we find it. Or until Dunson finds us. Hey, wait a minute. I, I heard something. Yeah, I don't hear nothing, only the... Hey, Matt's right. I heard it too, like a... Like a... It's a train. Railroad! Like heroes we was riding that day into Abilene. 
people cheering and yelling, and us the mangiest, dirtiest bunch of cowpokes that ever come into town. But they were starved for beef. We was bringing it to them. The day was August 14, 1865. The end of the first drive on the Chisholm Trail. By night, the herd was sold. They was a buyer from the east. A fella named Melville. Here you are, Mr. Garth. Check made out to Thomas Dunson for $50,000. Rest to be paid when the tally is finished at $21 a head, less what I'm giving you now to pay off your man. They'll be celebrating, I suppose. Well, they got a right to, Mr. Melville. Yeah, there's three times in a man's life when he's got a right to yell at the moon. When he marries, when his children come, and when he finishes a job, he had to be crazy to start. Uh, tell me, when do you expect to be leaving here? I don't exactly know. Uh, you're going to wait for Dunson, huh? I've been talking to some of your men. Isn't the money and the fact that you got here, isn't that going to make any difference to him? No, I don't think so. Well, couldn't you... Run away? Yes. Or couldn't I talk to him? No, I'd still have to talk to him after that. Good night, Mr. Melville. I got here as soon as I could. Groot told me where you were. Yes. Dunson's camped a couple of miles outside of town. He says you'll be here in the morning just after sunup. He says he's going to kill you. How would you know all that unless you've been with him? Matt, did you hear what I said? He's here. He hasn't changed his mind. I didn't think he would. He saw the railroad and I... Well, I thought it might make a difference, but it didn't. Nothing would. He's, he's like something you can't move. Even I've gotten to believe it's got to happen, your meeting. I came here to beg you to run away, but it wouldn't do any good. You're too much like him. You're... Matt, Matt. Tomorrow morning. It's a long way off, Tess. Tomorrow morning. He's coming, Matt. Dunson. Dunson's here. What are you going to do, Matt? Meet him out there. He knows Alone. you're here in Melville's office. He's riding up now, Matt. Dunson and about ten others. All right, just one thing, all of you. This is my fight. The rest of you stand clear. Matt, for the last time, I... What's the matter with you men? You're his friends, aren't you? Don't you know Matt has no intention of defending himself? That's right, Mr. Melville. If I haven't any such notions, must be a back door to this place. Supposing you show me where it is. Stay where you are, Matt. I've been waiting for you, Dunson. I said I'd kill you. I'm going to. Mr. Dunson? Don't draw it, Cherry. You got business with me, Cherry. I'll take care of you later. Mr. Dunson, I've said it for the last time. Draw or... You what? see that? Matt nicked him. Laredo, Gus, drag Cherry out of the way before he really gets hurt. I'm waiting for you, Dunson. Why don't you come closer? I'm walking right up to you. Won't anything make a man out of you? You told me once never to take your gun away from you. Well, I'm going to do it now. So you can hang me, Mr. Dunson? Hang you, why, you yellow-bellied chicken-livered... Dunson's thrown away his gun. I don't need a gun to take care of you. I can still do it with my hands. Now, get up. Get up before this whole town are out. You're what? That's it, Matt. Tear his ears off. Fourteen years I've been scared. But it's going to be all right now. It's going to be all right. Stop it. Mary, get back, miss. Get back. Them two's mad and hard. Oh, I'm mad, too. Good and mad. Give me that gun. Oh, you fools. You stupid fools. Stop it. Stop it, I said. Careful with that gun. You might hurt somebody. Oh, you, Tom Dunson, pretending you're going to kill him. 
Why, it's the last thing in the world you... And you, Matt Garth, getting your face all beaten up and all bloody. You ought to see how... You ought to see how silly you look, like like something the cat dragged. Stay still. Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. What a fool I've been, expecting trouble for days when, when anybody with half a mind would know you two'd never... Well, what are you looking at, Dunson? Took somebody else to shoot at him, didn't it? You wouldn't do it. All right, then. All right, then, go ahead. Beat each other crazy. Maybe it'll put some sense in both of you. Go ahead. Go on. Do it. Matt, I... You better marry this girl. Yeah. Yeah, I think I... Hey, when are you going to stop telling people what to do? Right now. At least as soon as... When? Well, as soon as I tell you one thing more. Well... When we get back to the ranch, I want you to change the brand. You, Tess, give me that stick over there. I'd like to give it to you. Would it do some good? Maybe later. Right now, I'm busy. Like this, Matt, see? Here's the Red River D. We'll add a G to it. You don't mind that, do you? Tom, I... Yeah. Now let's see about getting home. To John Wayne, Joanne Drew, and Walter Brennan, our congratulations on a fine performance. Here they are at the footlights for a curtain call. Well, thank you, Bill. It was a pleasure to be here. John, you've had a busy week or two with that stage engagement in What Price Glory. Yes. You know, it's the first time I've ever been on the stage. We put it on in San Francisco, Long Beach, Pasadena, and several other towns for the benefit of the Purple Heart veterans. We're doing again at Grauman's, Grauman's Chinese Theater here Friday night. I saw where one critic referred to the show as having a million-dollar cast. Well, John Ford staged it, and we have people like Pat O'Brien, Gregory Peck, Marina Harrow, Ward Bond, and many, many others. Well, that'll do till another cast comes along. <laughs> <laughs> John, now that you're producing your own pictures, how do you find working on the other side of the street? Now he knows why producers lose their hair, Bill. <laughs> and why some of them lose their shirts. <laughs> Joanne, we're delighted to have you here tonight for your first appearance in the Lux Radio Theater. Thank you, Mr. Keeley. This may be my first appearance here, but I've been a Lux Soap fan for a long time. And I especially like the new bath-sized cake Lux is making now. It's really grand. Thank you, Joanne. I'll pass on the good word. Now for next week. What's the play, Bill? Well, first I'll tell you the stars. They're Rosalind Russell and Robert Cummings. And the play is that sparkling comedy success from Columbia Pictures, What a Woman. It's a fast-moving romance that's a perfect recipe for an entertaining evening here next Monday. That sounds like hit material, Bill. Well, good night and good luck. Good night and thank you. Beaver Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap... Join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Rosalind Russell and Robert Cummings in What a Woman. This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. Walter Brennan appeared through the courtesy of Universal International Studios. Producers of Red Canyon, starring Anne Blythe and Howard Duff. Heard in tonight's cast were Jeff Chandler as Matt, 
Bernard Phillips as Cherry, Jeff Corey as Teeler, and Jimmy Ogg, Bill Johnstone, Alan Reed, Herbert Butterfield, Willard Waterman, Lillian Bayef, Lou Krugman, Jay Novello, Ed Max, and Eddie Marr. Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Louis Silvers. Our Lux Radio Theater production of Red River has come to you with the good wishes of the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood's own beauty soap, the complexion care used regularly by nine out of ten lovely screen stars. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear What a Woman, starring Rosalind Russell and Robert Cummings. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. growing up in Long Beach, California, probably in the mid to late 50s and maybe the early 60s on Saturday nights on Channel 2, which was the CBS-owned station. In Los Angeles, they had a program that they called the Fabulous 52. Each week they would play a motion picture. It wasn't until probably the mid-60s that NBC started having the NBC Saturday Night Movie, and that's when movies first really started making a splash on television, uh, later movies. But up until that time, uh, Fabulous 52 was probably as current a movie as you could get on television. And I remember one night, often, many nights I should say, many Saturday nights, sitting up with my mother. She was a, a late bird. I kind of, I guess, got that, inherited that from her. But we would sit up and watch different movies on Saturday night. And I remember watching Red River. I remember that in the introduction to the show, it would say, The Fabulous 52, 52 separate wonderful movies each week. Then they would name several movies that were upcoming. And I remember them talking about, in the weeks ahead, Red River with John Wayne and then uh, finally the night came that that played. And I remember my mother saying, I'd really enjoy this film. And we watched it together, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. So hearing this uh, radio play tonight really brought back a fond memory of sitting there with my mother, who's been gone for many, many years now, and watching uh, Red River.
time to lighten things up with our comedy corner. Something familiar. Something familiar. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Something appealing. Something appalling. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Nothing with kings. Nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Situation, no complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Ready tomorrow, tonight. <laughs> well, on the comedy corner tonight, we're going to visit with Jack Benny. We're going back to September 1949. Jack often did parodies of movies that were popular during the period, and that's exactly what we're going to hear tonight. In this case, the movie was a George Cukor-directed film entitled Edward, My Son. It was released in 1949. It featured uh, Spencer Tracy and Deborah Carr. Now, you probably haven't heard of the movie unless you're a real movie buff, so let me just give you a real brief synopsis. Spencer Tracy plays a Canadian named Arnold Bolt. Deborah Carr is his wife, Evelyn. The movie opens with them celebrating the first birthday of their son, Edward. The birthday party is taking place in their London home, and the time period is shortly after World War I. Arnold is about to embark upon a new career in finance. The movie advances five years, and Edward is diagnosed with a serious illness requiring a costly operation. With his retail credit business doing poorly, Bolt decides to burn down the building in order to finance the surgery with the insurance money. The years pass and Bolt evolves into a wealthy and a titled financier who will do anything to protect his son. For instance, when Edward is threatened with expulsion from his prep school, Lord Bolt assumes its mortgage. As time passes, Evelyn realizes that Edward is drinking too much and seems to have no sense of morality. On the other hand, Lord Bolt feels the young man can do no wrong. All right, here we go. Let's go back to 1949 with the Jack Benny Show and their send-up of the film Edward, My Son. The Jack Benny Program. Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And here he is, Jack Benny. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, I don't want to sound like a ham, but I think it was awful that on our opening program last week, I was only on for four minutes. Well, Jack, you may be interested to know that letters have been pouring in, commenting on your brief appearance. Uh, really, Don? Now, what do they say? Life can be beautiful. <laughs> Don, uh, Don, I suppose you thought that was pretty funny, yeah. huh? <laughs> oh, yes, I did, Jack. As a matter of fact, I made that up myself. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you made it up yourself, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don, excuse me a minute. Hello? 
Is this the unemployment insurance office? <laughs> it is? Well, you can start making out a thin check for a fat boy. <laughs> Goodbye. And now, folks, for the remainder of this program, we will struggle along without the services of Mr. America, North, South, and Central. <laughs> so getting on with the show... Wait a minute, Jackson. Hold it a minute. You can't do that to Donzi. Do I hear a voice from NBC? <laughs> Phil, did you say something? Certainly I did. What are you mad at Don for? You don't have to get sore just because somebody else gets a laugh. We've all got to make a buck, you know. Well, Phil... Well, we got to look out for our future. I ain't worried about myself. I'm married to Alice. But what about the rest of the gang? <laughs> Phil. You know, we'd all like to have a few luxuries, you know. I mean, let us live a little bit. Phil, as long as the rail is pure brass and they don't run out of olives, you're happy. <laughs> now, Don. Yes, Jack? Believe me, Don, I don't care who gets the laughs on this show. It's just that I think it's time that the star is shown a little more respect by his subordinates. Subordinates? Yes, that's what you are. You, Don, Mary, you're all subordinates. Now, let's get... Hello, Jack. Hello, Phil. Hiya, sub. <laughs> sub? Yeah, Livy, ain't you heard? You're a subordinate. Subordinate? To whom? To the little man who we only needed for four minutes last week. <laughs> that's the whom. Now, kids, I'm sorry I started the whole thing, so let's forget it. Oh, Don. Oh, excuse me a minute, Jack. I'd like to say something to Mary. To me, Don? Yes, I want to congratulate you on being selected as one of the ten best-dressed women in America. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Well, thanks, boys. I bet you were thrilled, weren't you, Mary? Oh, I certainly was, Don. I thought it was quite an honor. Hey, Liv, let me get this straight. You were picked as one of the best-dressed women in America? Uh-huh. On what Jackson pays you? How can you afford to dress like that? My mother used to be a cigarette girl at Cyril's. <laughs> She was not. She was, too. <laughs> she was known as No Change Livingston. Oh, well, I apologize, Mary. Hey, Livy, I just thought of something. You know why Gypsy Rose Lee didn't enter the best-dressed women contest? No, why? Because she couldn't bear to lose. <laughs> oh, oh, Harris, you may only be a subordinate, but that joke alone will run for four minutes. <laughs> It will if they don't open the window. <laughs> now, look, kids. Kids, tonight we have a very important sketch to do, so let's get on with it. Tonight we're going to present our version of that famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture, Edward, My Son. Now, in this sketch... Pardon me. Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, Mel Blank. Hello, Mel. What can I do for you? Well, I just dropped in to see if you had a part for me on your program today. Oh, I'm sorry, Mel. I don't need any extra actors today. Oh, but I can make the listeners think you've got a lot of stars on a program. I can imitate Humphrey Bogart, Clark Gable, Edward G. Robinson, and Al Jolson. <laughs> Mel, believe me. Believe me, I don't need an extra actor today. I'm sorry. Okay, but gee, I don't know what to tell my wife and five daughters. You have five daughters? I also imitate Eddie Cantor. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Now, let's see. 
let's see, where was I? Oh, yes. In our sketch, I'll do the part that was played by Spencer Tracy. And Deborah Carr's part will be played by you, Mary. And now, wait a minute, Jack. Why don't you give Mel Blank a job? He won't charge you much. Mary, look. Well, you told me yesterday you had a part for a Western Union boy. Look at I filled that already. Now, Dennis, Dennis will play the part of Edward, my son. I've got the sportsman quartet here, and they're all prepared. They've prepared a wonderful song, April Showers. Don, that's not appropriate. That doesn't fit our program at all. Ah, uh, Jack, don't let that bother you. The boys can give you anything you want on the spur of the moment. They can ad-lib. What would you like? Well, we should have something to fit in with our show. Like tonight, for instance, we're going to do Edward, my son. Edward, my son? Well, that's simple. Come on, fellas. Give him something on Edward, my son. Charlie, my boy. Oh, Charlie, my boy. He'll thrill you. Charlie, my boy. Shivers of boy, that song is too old. He is the kind of sort of Charlie, my boy. Look, and I don't want that. I want Edward, my son. Charlie, my boy. Edward, my son. Edward, my son. Oh, Edward, my son. We'll change it, arrange it, and here's how it's done. Instead of Charlie, 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 my boy, we'll make it Edward, 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 my son. We want to please you. It's all in fun. Boy, what about the commercial? Oh, Edward, my son. Oh, commercial. Ask Charlie, my boy, or Edward, my son. Who? Edward, Edward, my son. Don, that was simply wonderful, amazing. I mean, what other quartet could have taken a song like Charlie, My Boy and switched it completely to Edward, My Son? Yeah. <laughs> now get him out of here, will you? <laughs> okay, you better sit down, boys. And they can cut that out, too. That hasn't gotten a laugh in three years. <laughs> now, come on, kids. Let's get out. Excuse me. Come in. Yes? Telegram for Jack Benny. <laughs> right here, boy. Boy? Jack, that's Rochester. Why is he wearing a Western Union outfit? Uh, never mind, Mary. I'll take the telegram, boy. Here you are, sir. Uh, you can go now. Wait a minute, Jack. So that's why you wouldn't hire Mel Blank for the messenger, boy. You made Rochester do it. Rochester, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> if that ain't the silliest thing I ever heard making Rochester an <laughs> Rochester, an actor. I wouldn't laugh so much if I were you, Mr. Harris. What do you mean? As soon as I learn all the lyrics to That's What I Like About the South, you're a one-show man. <laughs> Rochester, go already. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. What is it? After I drive you home from the studio, can I borrow your car and have the rest of the evening off? I, uh, <laughs> I, I got a date with my new girlfriend, Susie. Well, I guess so, Rochester, but be careful this time. The last time you drove up to Mulholland Drive with Susie, the car broke down. You were stuck up there for six hours. Yeah. <laughs> And now, kids, getting back to our sketch, Dennis will play the part of my son. Where is that kid? Dennis! Oh, here I am, Mr. Benny, behind the piano. Well, come on out here. I can't. Why not? Before the show, I was playing poker with the musicians, and I lost my pants. Stop being silly and come out here. Okay. Imagine such a 
Dennis, why do you make up things like playing poker with musicians or losing your pants? You're wearing pants. I know, but they're not mine. Sammy the drummer lent them to me. <laughs> but he's such a big fella. How come his pants are so tight on you? The piano player lost two. He's in here with me. <laughs> Dennis, I can't understand what makes you act so silly. Well, that's not my fault. My mother dropped me on my head when she was burping me. Oh, when you were a baby? No, last night. That does it. Now, look, Dennis, don't say another word, will you? Do it for me. Don't say... Just sing your song. That's all... Hold it a minute, kid. Come in. Yes? Special delivery letter for Jack Benny. I'll take it, mailman. Thanks. <laughs> Now, Dennis, I'll read this letter, and you can sing your... Dennis, why do you look so puzzled? That mailman was dressed in a Western Union outfit. I know. Never mind. And he looks exactly like Rochester. I know, Dennis. I know. He talked like Rochester, too. I know. I know. Gee, that Mel Blanc can imitate anybody. Mel, haven't you gone home yet? No, I'm waiting around to see if you've got a part for me in your play. I told you I have nothing. All the parts have been cast. Now, go away and leave me alone. Gee, I don't know what to tell my wife and four daughters. I thought you had five daughters. I played poker with the musicians. <laughs> oh. Well, all right, Mel. Look, Mel Blank. Look, there's a small bit in my sketch. You can play the part of Harry Simpkins, my business partner. Now, go ahead, Don. Introduce the play. Okay. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, our version of Metro Golden Mayor's sensational film success, based on that great English play, Edward, My Son. I am Lord Spencer Bolt, industrialist, financier, banker. I number among my friends kings, princes, and diplomats. I travel in the most select social circles. No man in all England wields more power than I. Yet, with it all, I'm just a good-natured slob. <laughs> career that I carved, the fortune I built, everything I did was for Edward. My son. <laughs> it all began many years ago in the quaint little English town of Leicester, Worstinghamshire. That name probably means nothing to you, but just try to spell it sometime. As my story opens, it is the first birthday. Of Edward, my son. Oh, Spencer. Spencer, come here. What is it, Deborah? Look at Edward. He's only a year old and he has a full set of teeth. So that's where they are. I've been looking all over for them. Hello, Edward. How does Daddy's baby feel on his first birthday? The uh, gloop, gloop. Isn't he cute? Yes, Deborah, but I wish his head didn't come to such a sharp point. Well, at least it saves us the price of a babysitter. When we go out at night, we just stick him in the wall. Quite ingenious, rather. The uh, gloop, gloop, gloop. 
Deborah, why is the baby's diaper so tight? There's a piano player in there with him. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, there's someone at the door. Well, that must be Harry Simpkin, my new partner I spoke to you about. Is he the man who was sentenced to hang for murder and was pardoned three minutes after the trap was sprung? Yes, but uh, don't say anything about his long neck. He's sensitive. <laughs> Oh, I shan't. You shan't? And don't, rem- and don't, mention, don't, mention the, uh, don't mention the 11 prison terms he served for robbery. Come in. Don't stand there in the fog. Hello, Spencer. Hello. Uh, this is my wife. This is my wife, Deborah. Hello, Harry. So nice of you to come over for Edward's birthday. I wanted to get a bottle of champagne to help celebrate... But the liquor store was open. <laughs> That's hardly cricket. Quite. You may think it strange that I would go into partnership with a criminal. But during the next few years, Harry and I made lots of money, and we were able to pass most of it without getting caught. <laughs> then one day, I tipped off Scotland Yard about Harry, and they came and took him to jail. I know I was a rat. But in that way, I got rid of Harry Simpkins and Mel Blank at the same time. <laughs> and I did it all for Edward, my son. I soon became rich due to some shrewd business deals, well-placed investments, and a short hitch as a cigarette girl at Ciro's. <laughs> Eventually, I was made Sir Spencer Bold, and it was a happy little group that gathered to celebrate Edward's fifth birthday. There, Deborah, five candles. Isn't that a beautiful birthday cake? Yeah, but it's five years old. We're rich now. Can't we afford a new cake? No, we can't. Why can't we? Because we can't. That's why we can't. <laughs> Why spend money foolishly? I'm saving every penny I make for Edward. By the way, Deborah, where is the little blighter? There he is in his crib. He shouldn't be in his crib. Today is his fifth birthday. Come to Daddy, Edward. Say Daddy, Edward. Say Daddy. Uh, gloop. He said Daddy. He said Daddy. Now say Daddy again. Uh, gloop. He said it again. He said it again. By the time he's ten, he'll be talking. Not unless you buy him Edgar Bergen. I tried to buy him Edgar Bergen, but CBS beat me to it. (laughs) Several years later, I was given the title of Lord Bold. I was proud of the title because it would be inherited by Edward... My son. I said, by Edward, my son. They must be playing poker again. Anyway, by now, my son was 14 years old. Deborah and I were proud parents, and we watched him count the candles on his birthday cake. Come on, Edward, count the candles on your cake. Uh, uh, uh... Count on your fingers, Edward, it'll be easier. One, two... Three, uh, four, uh, uh... Five. Five. Go ahead, son. Five, six, 
Seven. Eight. Bully. Bully. Ten. <laughs> no, 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 Edward. Nine, ten, eleven. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Now, go on, go on. Keep counting. I can't. That's all the fingers I've got. <laughs> Well, take off your shoes. You're loaded down there. He took off his shoes and toes ran in all directions. <laughs> he looked like he was standing in two plates of spaghetti. <laughs> Oh, Deborah, this is Edward's 14th birthday. Don't you think it's time we sent him to school? Well, I'm not sure. Perhaps we should consult his nurse. I'll call her and see what she thinks. Oh, Constance. Constance. Here I am, your lordship. Uh, Spencer. What is it, Deborah? Uh, we're so rich now. Don't you think we'd get the nurse a white dress instead of the Western Union outfit? Later, Now, Constance, I wanted to ask you if you think Edward is ready to start school. Well, I don't know, your lordship. You see, he can't take care of himself. I still have to give him his bath every day. Which reminds me, Constance, is it true that last night when you were giving Edward a bath, you held his head under the water ten times? Yeah. <laughs> you That's make... I know, Jack, I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Constance. Better luck next time. Better luck to you. <laughs> now, Edward, we're thinking of putting you in school. Well, if I go to school, can I take my frog along? Yes, yes, you can take your frog. The next day, we went to school. We took the entrance examinations. Edward didn't pass, but the frog did. <laughs> but that didn't stop me. I bought the school, grabbed Edward by the head, and stuck him in the second grade. <laughs> With Edward in school, my incentive to work was greater than ever. I made millions and millions. I had to. My wife was one of the ten best-dressed women in England. <laughs> I even gave her a charge account at Eastern Columbia, Piccadilly, and Nile. <laughs> Three years went by, and it was lonely for me and Deborah. With Edward in school, it wasn't quite the same. Spencer, with Edward in school, it isn't quite the same. I just said that. I thought I heard it. You'll hear it again at 9.30. <laughs> but, Deborah, you can't imagine how much I've missed my boy since he's been away. Sometimes I... Oh, there's someone at the door. I'll get it. Wonder who it is. It's me, Edward, my son. <laughs> Edward. Edward, it's you. It's you, my boy. The apple of my mind, the pride of my life, the one I've dedicated my whole existence to. I've worked, struggled, and fought my way to the top so that you can have the better things of life. And now, now you've come back to me. You've come back to me. I didn't have much on last week's show, but this week I'm loaded. <laughs> What are you doing home from school? I had to come home, Mother. I missed you and Gloop. He never did learn how to say Daddy. Well, come in, Edward. Make yourself comfortable. Take off your hat and coat. We 
couldn't ask him to take off his shoes. We were living in a smaller place. <laughs> but we were happy because with us back again was Edward, my son. <laughs> And so Edward grew to young manhood. Nothing could stop him. But then, then came the war. First the men were drafted. Then the women. And finally they took Edward. <laughs> it was terrible knowing that any day might be his lost. For there was no time for sentiment. And then it happened. A man from the war department came to our house. We could tell by the look on his face that something terrible had happened to Edward. He was grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> he looked at me and said, hey, Lord Bowles? Yes? Are you the father of Edward, my son? Yes, I am. It's my unpleasant duty to inform you that your Never son... Never mind that. How did it happen? Uh, we're not quite clear on the details, sir. All we know is that Edward bailed out. Bailed out? What happened to his plane? Oh, he wasn't in a plane. He was in a submarine. <laughs> I understand. You do? Quite. So my son Edward was drowned. Yes, but we saved the piano player. <laughs> good, good. Well, that's my story. I'm an old man now. And all I have left is an old wife and an old piano player. <laughs> but there's one thing I know. I, Lord Spencer Bull. Will always treasure the memory of Edward, my son. Oh, Edward, my son. We changed it, arranged it, and now that it's done, our Mary was so cute as never a car. But Spencer Tracy showed up Fanny by far. What can you expect from a four-minute star? Oh, Edward, my son. We're a little late, so good night, folks. Originally broadcast back on the 18th of September in 1949. That was the Jack Benny program, and that particular episode is normally referred to as his send-up of the film Edward, My Son. More Jack Benny in the weeks ahead. He is one of my favorite shows, and uh, from the mail I get from you folks, I know he's one of yours too. One of the difficulties I have with Benny's show is finding enough episodes or enough uh, programs that have good sound quality because I just refuse to play the old scratchy ones. But I've got several more in my vault that uh, we'll play in the weeks ahead and uh, look forward to uh, sharing them with you. Okay, uh, Chester's waving at me. What is it, Chester? What? Uh Uh-oh. We better get off the street. It looks like trouble.
Now. Oh! Ah! Ah! take us back to Dodge City, Kansas in the 1870s. We are going to meet up with Matt Dillon, Chester Proudfoot, Kitty Russell, and Doc Adams, the whole gang, here on Gunsmoke. This is an episode that I have only played one other time in the six or seven years I've been doing this show. It originally was broadcast on November 20th in 1955, and it features uh, John Daner and Vic Perrin. And the name of the episode is Dutch George. Chester says he's got it all queued up, so here it comes. territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. Transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job. And it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely.
Good boy. Hold it. No need drawing down on me, boy. I'm just a harmless traveler like yourself. How in blazes did you sneak up on me so quiet? Now, that ain't a friendly way to greet a guest. I'll be friendly to anybody comes into my camp with fair warning and guns holstered. The bacon's burning. Well, you keep your hands where I can see them. Are you going to turn away a hungry traveler? If you're traveling, where's your outfit? Where's your horse? Over in the next gully there. You alone? You don't see nobody else. You ain't the type to ride the plains alone. You calling me a liar, son? Your bacon is getting cold. All right. Here. Bread's right there. Use your own knife. Thank you kindly. Oh, if I ain't the type to ride alone, what type am I? You look like a storekeeper or a gambler, maybe, traveling by request. <laughs> you don't feel to say what you think, eh, boy? Well, I say now, this looks right good. Mm. Dip in the pan grease if you want. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wait. That's some bay horse you got hobbled out there. You wouldn't consider selling. No. Mm hmm. Didn't think so. Only, looks like he might be coming down with some kind of hoof trouble. Huh? Hmm. The way he holds his off rear. What do you mean? Hmm. Why, you're crazy. I don't see nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Let that be a lesson, boy. Don't never trust a stranger. Send word up to your office. Oh, what about? Dutch George is in town. It's a horse right there at the bay. Left it with me. Wants new shoes all around. Where is he now, Moss? Up to the Long Branch, most likely. Thought you ought to know. Is he still wanted? No, that jury in Ellsworth acquitted him. He's free. Blamed if I can understand him. Everybody in the state knows he's the biggest horse thief west of the Mississippi. Well, with operations as big as Dutch's, it's hard to prove. That's a good-looking horse he's got there. It sure is. Wonder who it really belongs to. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Oh, thanks, Moss. Clustered around like he was a governor or something. Yeah. Some poor man steals one horse, they string him to a tree. He steals a thousand to make him a hero. Well, he'll get caught too sooner or later, Kitty. I'll be back in a minute. Hello, Dutch. Hello, Matt. Have a drink? Just for old time's sake? All right, I'll drink to that. Pour it, Sam. 
to all times. Ah, old times were all right, weren't they, man? Now what I can remember of them. It was a long time ago. You were just a kid. <laughs> Some kid. Always pestering me with questions. Bound to learn every trick I knew. Be just like me. Yeah. Oh, well, let that be a lesson to you. It was, Dutch. Well, then I did you a favor. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. But you know, my job kind of puts us on opposite sides of the street now, Dutch. Oh, I don't see why. I've got no trouble with the law. I'm a legitimate businessman. I hope so, Dutch, because if your business gets illegitimate around here, I'll come after you. In spite of old times? Yeah, I expect you would, and you would be a rough enemy, too. Have another drink? No, no, thanks. Matt, I didn't know you knew Dutch George. Well, it was a long time ago, Kitty. I only knew him for a few months until the sheriff caught up with him. Oh, that must have been a shock for you. Well, like he said, it was a good lesson. You know, the funny part of it is, Kitty, he's not really a bad man at all. Huh? He learned to be a horse thief back in the days when it was a game every frontiersman played with the Indians. Yeah, he just never gave it up. Well, I just hope when he does get caught doesn't have to be you, does it? Yeah. I hope not, too, Kitty. Yeah, come in. Howdy, Marshal. Uh, what can I do for you, son? My name's Jimmy McQueen. I got robbed. Oh, where was this? East of Dodge, maybe 20 miles, night before last. I was just cooking my grub when this stranger comes up real quiet. He seemed harmless, but he slugged me when I wasn't looking. What'd he look like? Tall, maybe six feet, strong looking. With a gray mustache and an arrow scar by the temple. Uh-huh. What'd you lose, son? Thirty dollars, but that's not important. My horse is... He was a good one, Marshal, and I aimed to find him and get him back. A bay with a white blaze on his forehead? That's right. You seen him? Let's go down to Moss Grimmick's stable. Your horse may still be there. Why, no, Marshal. He come and took the horse right after I finished shooting him. I heard he left town a full dark last night. And we'll go after him. Now, now, look, Marshal, you don't need to bother. You just loan me a horse and I'll find him. You know the man you're after, Jimmy? Don't matter none to me. It's Dutch George. Well, I still got to get my horse back. You leave that to me. I'll take you along to identify the horse, but that's all, you understand? I don't know why you're so particular, Marshal. The man's only a horse thief. But a very particular horse thief. And for the first time, we might have some real evidence against him. I don't want you ruining it. Right, Marshal, whatever you say. Uh, Moss, give me Chester's horse, too. We'll pick him up on the way. Now, let's pull up here a second. Yeah, here's where he met his men with a herd. 
You see the ground's all trampled? Uh, there must be a couple hundred here. Yeah, maybe more. I guess I don't rightly understand this Dutch George's way of horse thieving. He steals by the herd, Jimmy, from ranches or Indians. Well, where does he take them to? West, over into the line into Colorado. There he meets another bunch of his men driving a herd stolen from Colorado territory. And they exchange the horses, sell Colorado horses in Kansas, Kansas horses in Colorado. The fellow may be smarter than I thought. And tougher, too. Well, I think maybe we better camp here tonight. There are at least two hours ahead of us that'd put them over on Crooked Creek, probably at the forks. Why don't we go on? Come up on them in the dark. Now we can do the same thing by starting early, a couple of hours before dawn. And our horses need the rest. Not to mention me. I'm sure we'll be happy to get down. You notice all the Cheyenne trail sign, Marshal? Well, some. Some? I've been seeing it all day. This territory's thick with Cheyenne. They must be camped close, too. How do you know so much about Cheyenne, son? I was raised with him, Marshal. My pa worked at the Cheyenne Agency at Darlington. Maybe I underestimated you, Jimmy. Maybe you're not as green as you look. I told you I could handle this myself, Marshal, but you wouldn't listen. That's just as well. If you'll take care of the horses, Chester and I'll rustle up some wood for a fire. Sure, Marshal. There's a likely snag, Mr. Dillon, right over there. Okay, Chester, let's go see if we can carry it. Dry, it'll be... Mr. Dillon! Why, why that little whippersnap? He, he's riding on. Yeah, I sure did underestimate him. What do you expect he's up to? He's probably headed for Crooked Creek, wants to face Dutch George alone. Then he's going to get hurt. Well, come on, we'll try to catch him before it's too late. That's our camp, Chester. On the edge of the bluff there. Yeah, but where's the horses? Yeah, down on the creek bottom, out of sight, probably. I count four men, three asleep and one on guard. Reckon that's all? Well, except for those riding night guard on the herd, yeah. I don't see the kid no horse. No. Maybe he's around somewhere in the dark. What are we gonna do? You stay here. Now, when I get up by that big tree there, you make some noise, but just enough to draw the guard out, okay? All right, sir. All right. I got your man with my gun on his back, and I'm coming in. Now, you throw all your guns on the ground beside the fire. Do you hear me? I hear you, Matt. Better do what he says, boy. All right, Chester, let's go. You too, Hack. All right, everybody, rest easy. Well, Matt, you got more nerve than I thought. Where's the kid, Dutch? What kid? The boy you stole the bay horse from. Well, I left him for all I know. You haven't seen him tonight? Around here? 
Is he on the trail, too? He's probably out there in the dark right now, drawing a bead on you. You sure you didn't plan it this way, Matt? It could save you a lot of trouble. You'll stand trial, Dutch, if I have my way. Matt, I don't want to see you get hurt. But I don't want to go to jail, either. Well, you'll have to decide that, Dutch. What about old times' sake? I decided about old times before I became a lawman. I see. Mr. Dillon, there's something going on down there in the creek bottom. That's a stampede. Somebody's stampeding the horses. Matt, is this some of your doing? Use your head. Why would I want to stampede them? I need them for evidence. We've got to do something. Stay still. You got on that bluff and you'll be trampled to death. Up here, maybe we're safe. to death just like the other one. Well, Dutch, your night herders are dead, your horses are gone. Looks like the Indians have put you out of business this trip. Yeah. <laughs> but you haven't got any evidence against me now. Even if you do find them horses, it'll be the Indians. Not Dutch George has them. Maybe you can arrest them. You know something, Dutch? In a way, I'm glad... I'd rather it was somebody else finally put you behind bars. Nobody's going to do that. Yes, Matt. they will, Dutch, sooner or later. Unless I can talk you out of this business. Now, Matt, what else would I ever do? Well, I don't know. Well, you got a long walk ahead of you. Oh, don't worry about us. We'll, we'll find some horses somewhere else. I suppose you will. Well, come on, we'll bury these men. And then Chester and I'll head back to Dodge. Dillon, Dodge looks just the same. You didn't expect it to change much in three days, did you, Chester? Oh, no. What I mean is it looks good. Chester, hmm? look up ahead there, in front of the office. Well, that's Jimmy McQueen's bay horse. Yeah. Howdy, Marshal. Hello, Jimmy. I just brought your horse back, Marshal. There at the hitch rail. Much obliged. You're welcome. Well, is that all you've got to say, Jimmy? Where in the world did you go to? Oh, well, I'm sorry about that. But I kind of had an idea. I didn't think you'd cotton to, so I just left. Well, I guess your idea paid off. You got your horse back. Yeah. Funny thing, I found him running loose out on the prairie. Very lucky, I guess. Ah, uh, Jimmy. What, Marshal? I know you and your Cheyenne friends ran off those horses. And two men died. man gets trampled in a stampede, that's an accident, ain't it, Marshal? Especially if he stole the horses to start with. Yeah, I guess it is an accident, Jimmy. Well, so long, Marshal. 
Mr. Dunn, that boy is sure tricky. I know it, Chester. Yeah, let it be a lesson to us. How? Never trust a stranger. Directed by Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The special music for Gunsmoke was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Bill James. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Vic Perrin, and Jim Nusser. Harley Bear is Chester, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week for another specially transcribed story as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Well, the name of that episode of Gunsmoke was Dutch George, and it was originally aired on November the 20th in 1955. Hope you enjoyed it. All right. Well, once again, Chester is pointing at his watch. Um, He says we're all out of time, so let's pick our shows up and carry them back into the vault. That's going to kick things in the head for another week. As always, we'll be back in two weeks, and we'll do it all over again with a whole new slate of shows. So come back and join us, won't you? Uh, Chester, is that popcorn still... What do you mean it's gone? Chester ate all the popcorn. Well, let's go pop some more. We're going to play a little Chad Mitchell trio as our exit music tonight. We're headed out of here. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me. When I was just a wee little lad, full of health and joy, my father homeward came one night and gave to me a toy. A wonder to behold it was with many colors bright And the moment I laid eyes on it, it became my heart's delight It went zip when it moved, bop when it stopped, whirr when it stood still I never knew just what it was and I guess I never will 
The first time that I picked it up, I had a big surprise. For right on its bottom were two big buttons that looked like big green eyes. I first pushed one, then the other, then I twisted its lid. And when I set it down again, here is what it did. It went zip when it moved, bop when it stopped, whirr when it stood still. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. It first marched left, then marched right, then marched under a chair. And when I looked where it had gone, it wasn't even there. I started to cry and my daddy laughed for he knew that I would find. When I turned around my marvelous toy chugging from behind, it went zip when it moved, bop when it stopped, whirr when it stood still. I never knew just what it was and I guess I never will. Now the years have gone by too quickly, it seems I have my own little boy. And yesterday I gave to him my marvelous little toy. His eyes nearly popped right out of his head. He gave a squeal of glee. Neither one of us knows just what it is, but he loves it just like me. It still goes zip when it moves and bop when it stops and whirr when it stands still. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. I never knew just what it was. And I guess I never will